I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land that we meet on, the Wurundjeri people and those of the land that you listen on, and to pay our respects for their elders past, present and future. Hi, gorgeous. So happy you're here today to listen to Shine, Love and Light on. My name's Penny Vandersloos. I'm host of this podcast and founder of Discover Your Wild and super passionate about giving women the opportunity to focus on and draw attention to things that are hidden, shamed or taboo in our lives. And eating, I think, is one of them. It's heavily intertwined with weight and huge industries around diet and fitness and nutrition. And I've made some choices in my life around it, so um, it's personal to me. We are what we eat. I don't know that we really acknowledge how much we put into our body affects how we live and breathe and feel about our lives. So I wanted to draw attention to it and give you a chance to think about your choices and what you're doing. So I've invited Steph Shell, who's a gorgeous friend and super qualified to talk on it. She's a plant-based chef. So hope you enjoy the conversation and get a lot out of it. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Shine, Love and Light On. Today we're talking about conscious eating and I've got the beautiful Steph Shell here with me. And Steph is a friend of mine. She is the owner and operator of Steph Shell's Cooking Hub. Is that right, Steph? Steph Shell Hub. Steph Shell Hub. <laughs> and she's got a cooking club, which I'm in, which is why I got it all confused, um, which has been online and launched in COVID last year. It's um, a real pleasure to have Steph here. I'm really interested because she has introduced me to a whole lot of um, new uh, recipes and ideas and stuff around plant-based eating. Um, and I've been a vegetarian on and off in my life. I had 10 years in my 20s as a vegetarian. I kind of stepped away when I was pregnant and through my kids the first 12, 13, 14 years. And now I'm back on board. So I've been a vegetarian again for maybe 15 months. And um, in, in that, I was interested in exploring plant-based. So Steph came along and I was really excited to get involved. So before I go too much into my story, we're interested in you all, Steph. <laughs> Thanks so much for being here. Perhaps you could just give a little intro on how you got into plant-based and then we can talk about why we think this is an important topic. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very honoured to be here. been listening to your podcast ever since I met you. What was it? We worked out it was about last Feb. Or yeah. Last Feb. It feels like um, <laughs> Yeah, it feels like so much longer. Uh, but yeah, really happy to be here. Um, so my background is with the plant-based um, eating was that I, in my late 20s, went through a bit of an epiphany that my partying lifestyle wasn't really sustainable. <laughs> so um, along with a move from Adelaide to Melbourne, I, I did a whole lifestyle change and uh, I started running started training for marathons and i also well half marathons i also um delved really deep into 
kind of training and recovery and stuff like that. So a lot of what I read supported uh, the idea that a plant-based diet was better for recovery, especially with endurance um, kind of sports. So I kind of just thought, why, why not? Gave it a go and thought I'd, I'd, you know, dip my toe in the water and do vegetarian for a little while, but that kind of lasted for a week. And I just went, what the hell, I'll just go vegan and (laughs) kind of all or nothing girl and really loved it. Loved the challenge around finding new ways to incorporate flavor. And um, when I met my husband, uh, yeah, like shortly after he kind of, um, encouraged me to start exploring maybe teaching other people how to cook that way and um and from there my my business kind of started so when i had when i became pregnant with my first boy uh yeah i started up my business um and you know very small kind of just word of mouth stuff um just teaching cooking classes out of my kitchen and it's all kind of just grown from there so, so how are your boys now? So we've got an idea. So Forgy is four, just turning five in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And then Ollie's turning three. So um, how long were you been, well, vegan before that? So this is. Uh, before I started up the business, probably. When did I move here? When I was 27. Um, so probably about a year and a half, maybe two years I'd been plant-based before I started. Yeah. And you I've always been right. really, Hey, you dived right. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. And did you ever look so, back? So, yes. No, I mean, when I was pregnant, I remember having some crazy meat and cheese cravings. Uh, and I remedied that by just introducing a little bit of fish back into my diet. Didn't want to go back to meat um, or eggs or anything like that. So yeah, just did a bit of fish. Um, But then once I uh, had had my, my boys, I didn't feel the need for that. It was just, it seemed to be just a pregnancy thing. Um, So I just, yeah, listened to my body and, and did it and then felt that I didn't need it anymore. So I didn't, but you know, Pregnancy cravings are weird anyway. There was no pickles and ice cream, but there was fish. Just me. (laughs) I think I had that meat one and I had a mum who was very concerned about it. And I think I was pregnant a lot, um, a lot longer ago. And I think there wasn't as much information around what's the benefits of eating plant-based diet and stuff like that, which is part of the reason why I wanted us to talk about it because you know, this whole podcast is around things we don't talk about. Why is it hidden? Why are we kind of shamed about certain choices we're making or conversations we're having? And I mean, so obviously people don't go, oh, I can't talk about what I'm eating. But I think it is a really sensitive part of our lives, what we, the choices we make, why we make them. I remember when I first chose to be vegetarian, people were really curious, why? Why are you vegetarian? And I kind of felt like I had to be armed with an answer every time and I yeah I made a huge I remember at the time there was more than one choice I mean it was the animal rights and their kind of choices around that I felt sometimes it was we just didn't appreciate where the animal was coming from so it was sort of a, a, a an early emergence of consciousness like 
we just go to the supermarket, we just expect it, we open a packet, we don't think, hang on, that was an animal beforehand. It's so disconnected. I was also interested in the environmental impact. So, you know, it was emerging how much the livestock industry was kind of impacting the land and and all those sorts of longer term kind of impacts were of interest and then that kind of health thing too like you suddenly had to be conscious about what you were eating when you when you take a whole really obvious thing like meat out of your diet you have to kind of supplement you know you can't just wing it you can't just turn up at a restaurant and expect that they will have something there that you're going to like you have to be far more proactive don't you and go to someone's house you have to think about how that's going to impact them and stuff so that's all kind of why I did it, but I guess, yeah, what have your experiences around this being a bit of a taboo and and not necessarily shamed, but, yeah, people having an opinion on what you're choosing and, and how we make choices around our eating? Yeah, well, it's definitely a, a very heated um, area of discussion, uh, nutrition, the ideology of, you know, why you choose what you choose to eat. Um, I initially did it for health. So it was about, it was, it was purely about that kind of, um, you know, recovery. I wanted to eat better. I wanted to um, prevent disease in the future. So it was, you know, and my background as a nurse as well, I have a very good understanding of disease and disease process. So I wanted to do everything I could to, prevent those diseases that I saw every day in the hospital. Um, and the, I mean, the animal welfare thing, I never, I never thought of much. And, and, you know, I guess that's where most of Australia is at the moment. Of course, you don't want to hurt animals, but meat has always been a part of most people's diets. And it's just, that's the way it's always been. Why would I want to stop doing that if I don't have to? Like, cause I like the taste. I like the, um, convenience of it but you take away the convenience aspect um, people wouldn't be going out and killing their own animals no. so yeah it's it's kind of the the blinders are definitely on when it comes to you know just eating eating meat in in Australia at the moment um, and it's so accessible isn't it like there's not only certain times of the year you can have a certain product it kind of it's always yeah year round yeah it's not a seasonal thing (laughs) so I I grew up with a um my auntie and uncle uh sheep farmers so I grew up around um that kind of lifestyle as well um and the animal welfare thing really was a byproduct for me after I had adopted this plant-based lifestyle for a while and realized that yeah I I never want to eat meat again because I don't want an animal to suffer just so I can have a snack or a meal when I don't have to do it. Like I can survive quite healthily without it. And then I delved a lot more, especially in recent years into the environmental uh, aspect of it. So sustainability um, and, you know, impact on the land, impact on, um, you know, our farming sector. And, and even more recently reading a lot more up on, uh, you know, like plant-based meat alternative um, agriculture and also cellular agriculture. So that's definitely an emerging field of, of interest. Um, but I think, yeah, for me, like it, it just started with me realising I don't need it. 
I do want to kind of have that more conscious aspect of what I'm putting in my body because previously it wasn't, um, especially around, you know, the alcohol and the drugs and stuff I was putting into my body. So it just really just started out from there. And I think all of the other aspects of eating a plant-based diet and how that affects the, you know, climate change and, and the world around us immediately um, became a larger part. Um, but also talking about that with other people is, is difficult sometimes. I grew up with a, a vegan, uh, sorry, a vegetarian sister. So she was vegetarian by the time she was 10. Um, she'd always wanted to be a vet. So, um, you know, she did what she believed in and she, credit to her, she's still vegetarian, albeit much more healthily. Um, she, she dabbled a bit in veganism, but she didn't do it very, uh, very well because there wasn't a lot of information out there. So she just stopped eating meat. She stopped eating eggs and dairy and everything, but she didn't replace it with, with anything to boost that nutrition. So she was subsisting on not much at all. And she started kind of losing her hair and um, it was not a great kind of healthy period for her. So um, I saw that and she was one of the people who were always at us about meat intake and, and stuff and I'm guilty of giving her the old, you know, sure you don't want a steak tonight joke. <laughs> because I just roll my eyes at people that say that to me now. Um, but I was definitely one of those people that just didn't want to hear it. I wasn't ready. I didn't want anyone to talk to me like on their soapbox about what I should be eating and what I shouldn't be eating. So having come from that experience earlier on, I definitely am aware of that with other people. So I don't, you know, when people ask me why I wanted to become plant-based or, you know, go vegan, I, I make it very much about my choice. So it was about me and my health instead of talking to people about what they should be doing, which unfortunately is is a common way that people who discover this lifestyle start to talk about because they're so excited about you know everything veganism plant-based eating has to offer and how healthy it is and how hadn't they not know about all the nutritional aspects before and they just want to shout it from the rooftops but that doesn't come off very well with the rest of the population. It can come across judgy, can't it? Especially, yeah, it's like, oh, I mean, I've heard people say it to me or I've been witness to it where it's like, oh, you're eating dead animals or I don't, you know, like it's not particularly nice when someone's about to eat a meal to have that kind of, yeah, put in, put in, in their space, I guess. But yeah, these are, that's why I think it is still sensitive and how do we go about making it available? I think what's really interesting in what you've just brought up is how we both came at a, a choice quite different angles, but then once you're in the choice, you start to learn about what else is available and the benefits that come with it. I think so, you know, for anyone listening, you might've made choices. It's about kind of, can we today open up your, um, perspective to incorporate others again or are you aware of what it is you're eating 
and how it's affecting your health and the environment and other things. And then you can make some, yeah, like we said, conscious choices. <laughs> Maybe we need to clarify that. Do you think that's pretty obvious what a conscious choice is or are we making... Maybe assumption? not. Maybe not because, you know, back before I kind of set off on this path, I didn't know, I wouldn't have known what conscious eating was. There wasn't really a wellness kind of trend. How would you describe it then? I think conscious eating is being aware of uh, what you're putting in your body, but also the, you know, where that food has come from, um, how it's been grown, a lot about how that, you know, growing that food impacts the environment. And I guess it's all of the aspects of all of the aspects of food, not just buying it from the supermarket and putting it in your body, but it's about what happened before that. And, you know, I, I guess you can also think about it um, in terms of who grew the food, were they remunerated properly? Um, were they treated fairly? You know, if it was, you know, for an example, like fair trade chocolate or fair trade coffee, um, you know, that you're getting from overseas, like how was that grown? Was that grown, um, you know, with people who were treated fairly and um, remunerated properly for their time. Um, and even in terms of, you know, I think with, pro you know, fresh produce and stuff like that, even if you, you know, consciously eating meat, which is, which is definitely still a choice, um, you know, is that, is that stuff coming locally or is that travelled, um, you know, thousands of miles to get to you? Um, I think there's so many ways to to think about, you know, uh, where you get your food and stuff. And are you getting it from the supermarket? Because they don't have a great track record of paying the farmers very well. Um, or are you getting it, f you know, straight from the grower or a farmer's market where you know you can talk to the people who grew the food and did it have herbicides and pesticides sprayed on it or is it organic or, you know, are you insecticide free? You know, there is so many ways to ask the questions, but if you're not open to what conscious eating even is, or is there an option that isn't the supermarket? Because I didn't really know that beforehand. Um, I think it's just about opening up people's eyes in a very non-judgmental way and just saying there are other options out there. Like, have you thought about this? Or have you thought about, you know, where your foods come from instead of just, you get it from the supermarket, you cook it and you eat it. Mm. And, you know, you make those choices in the supermarket. I'm not eating meat, but um, where has my lettuce come from? You know, that it, it goes beyond just that initial shop to um, thinking about the, the wider picture and, and how everyone feeds into that in terms of who That's, was involved in, yeah, you know. Yeah, so it's sort of like the... Um, it's a paddock to the plate kind of concept that you yeah. will sort of hear. Yeah. It's not just waiting for it yeah. to be on your plate. And a lot of people don't prepare their own food. Sorry if you can hear my dog barking. Um, but we don't, and I think as we get in a busier lifestyle, which many of us are living in, you, your food's almost, I don't know, it's just something you have to do to keep going. It's not even like we don't necessarily even have the time to prepare our food, to um, sit down and eat our food. Like these are sort of things that are in some families or some lifestyles not existent. It's kind of how do I 
eat and run or where, you know, where can I buy it so that I don't have to even think about it? And we're kind of, I guess, highlighting what that might, the impact that that might have on us, but equally what's available when you, you start to shift and go, it's really valuable worthwhile time to put into that you know there's little advantages that come from knowing and making those choices yourself and really that maybe you can only you have to take some accountability is also what I'm kind of hearing and discovering you can't just assume that because it says that it's good for you that it is good for you and you can't just assume that because it's in a supermarket that it is ethically produced and um or sustainable or anything you've got to kind of yeah. be curious and interested and for any of you listening I, I get that this can sometimes feel overwhelming or like oh my god I'm so far from where Steph is and even what I'm being doing and making choices but it's not around saying you have to go the whole way these are little choices that you can be making even if it is just starting to get interested in where am I buying my food? Maybe I could buy my food once a week from a farmer's market or once a month from a farmer's market and just get interested in what that might taste like if I do that. Or it could be reading the labels when you hadn't been before or trying to cook something one meal a week vegan or something. There's all different yeah. options, isn't there? Yeah, there absolutely is. And although I'm an all or nothing person and I kind of jumped into it straight away. I also didn't have a family at that point. I was single. Um, I was living in a share house. I was working full time and I had extra time on my hands. Like my time was my own. However, if you're trying to do this with a family um, and you're working and you're trying to juggle a million different responsibilities, like sometimes food and the food you put on the table is not, um, you don't have a lot of time to research where that comes from and everything. And I think what's also um, should be said about this is we should um, acknowledge the, the privilege that we had, well, we have in even talking about conscious eating because there are parts, um, there are parts of this city, parts of this country where people don't have even access to a shopping center. Um, so and fresh food, so, um, and fresh food exactly or even you know the funds to um put food on the table so i think it's worth kind of saying that we are incredibly privileged to to be even talking about alternative um ways of getting our food um because that's not open to everyone um but in terms of of talking about the you know the things that you can do it, it's always a journey. I, I didn't start out my, you know, I guess my health journey knowing everything I know about sustainability and, um, you know, and trying and no waste cooking and, uh, you know, all the things I know about plant-based cooking. It was just m my passion for it opened up all of these new avenues of research and opened me up to to new experts and people you know to have great conversations with and and learn more about it and slowly implement things like I don't I, I can't be an all-or-nothing person now because I just don't have the time to to delve into things head first like I used to um, so yeah I think that's that that's slow and steady type of approach really goes so much better towards long lasting change than, you know, trying something for two weeks all in and then realizing that just 
you know, it's too hard or it, you, you know, doesn't suit you, doesn't mm -hmm. suit your lifestyle. So little bits make a big change. A little bits. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. I actually really liked what you were saying about acknowledging and being grateful for the opportunities we have to make choices like these ones we're talking about. Because I also think it's introducing, um, which a lot of people who've got a religious background might do in terms of saying grace at the table or, you know, it's that sort of pausing, being grateful for the fact that there is food on the table and that they've been fortunate enough to have access to it and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, that's part of this consciousness too. And maybe that's the first step you might be interested in making is just being grateful for the food you have, um, what it does for your body, you know, that your body can process. It's crazy what our bodies can do. <laughs> we chew of something yeah. and suddenly we can move and, and grow and repair and do all this. It's, it's mind boggling really. Um, so that's sort of, yeah, there's so many different layers in this, but I guess we were yeah, wanting to encourage um, you to maybe have a discussion with someone or go, um, go and pick up a book or follow Steph and find out, you know, what else you can learn. One of the things I've found too is sometimes you've had an experience and it hasn't been such a good one. So maybe you're living in a family where people are a bit more inclined to judge you or you have put out something on the table and everyone went, Ooh, this is disgusting. And so you, you don't even want to go back there. Cause I know yeah. maybe you've had tofu before and it was, you know, wasn't a good experience and you'll never go back. How have you found that sort of trying to get past those prejudices, I guess we have around or like a milk, you know, a substitute milk and it, you know, they've improved so much and we've had some, experience with it it's put us off how do we kind of go back there or have you found you've gone back or encouraged people to try it again or um i guess just through personal experience and telling those stories like my husband is not vegan um he eats what i cook but he still loves meat um he still loves dairy but it took me I mean, we don't have dairy in our house anymore because um, the kids have basically transferred onto like oat milk and stuff like that. But it was a, a big battle trying to get something across the line for my husband that um, was up to his standard of dairy in a coffee. So we struggled. I mean, I've been drinking almond milk, soy milk, you know, um, different types of milk for years and years. Um, so I became accustomed to the taste very quickly, but he was harder to kind of convince. So, I mean, I think all the, also the fact that I live in a family who still eat meat and um, still enjoy dairy and, and stuff like that, not on such a regular basis, but it's, it's still an, an issue sometimes for me to get them to eat certain things. So I definitely understand where people come from when they say look I had this horrible bland tofu the other day like I never want to eat it again like what are my other options and it's like well what did you do with the tofu nothing I just ate it <laughs> well tofu is like chicken you know if you just eat chicken it's horribly bland and boring but if you season it and you try new cooking techniques with it there's there's worlds of flavor that open up and I think it's just about um normalizing the idea of of taking those things like beans or tofu or 
um, you know, even certain vegetables that people have always grown up with a an aversion to because they they didn't like the way that mum and dad cooked. Yeah, like Brussels sprout, boiled Brussels sprouts or overcooked broccoli and cauliflower with, you know, cheese sauce. Um, the things that we kind of go like, oh, and never really like that. Um, there are so many different ways to eat and prepare things that, um, that can be delicious. So I think my, my message to people around that is to experiment. Um, and, and I know it's hard to find the time to become creative in the kitchen, but just picking one thing saying like, right, I'm going to try different ways to cook cauliflower this week. Cause I've got a cauliflower from the supermarket. Um, I never really liked it, but let's give roasted cauliflower a try or let's give, you know, sauteed cauliflower rice a try or, um, you know, try making something out of it, like putting it in a soup with other things. Um, there's so many delicious ways that you can prepare each and every plant out there. Um, so I think for people that um, have had bad experiences with something, there is also so many other alternatives. So if you had a bad experience with soy milk or you think it tastes like crap, try oat milk, try cashew milk, try macadamia milk. And you we know, have brands or fresh versus, you know, like a homemade exactly. one versus a... Exactly, like one. try a different brand that doesn't have so many additives and um, emulsifiers in it and you might find it goes better or try one that's, you know, better for coffee. It's just, you know, it's a bit of um, trial and error because once again, everyone's different. Everyone's got unique bodies and unique taste preferences it's you it's not a one size fits all kind of kind of thing um yeah so i think a little bit of creativity when you're exploring a new way of eating is really important it's super helpful just to be encouraged to know that just because you've had a bad experience it might have been you haven't cooked it in a way like I know with tofu you opened up a whole new way of actually preparing it I didn't realize that and for all you listening um you know soaking up all the liquid out of the tofu before you cook it allows whatever you marinating it to be soaked up it's like kind of a sponge yeah and I've never been told that and so it's obviously never soaked up what I've marinated in before and it's always squishy and it's gross but it was mind-blowingly different with a few kind of tips so that's where you know and we'll talk more about what you offer but having someone who's worked with the product a lot more who knows how to use it can give you all these options kind of gives you a bit of a shortcut really and and a direct route to something that you know will taste good because that's sort of your end goal is to make sure it's delicious um yeah, so to give you hope, I guess we touched on, and I thought that was really interesting point, and for many people, I'm the same, where my family still eat meat. So how, how we kind of juggle different diets and different ways of people choosing choices that people are making and, you know, advice you have for people who might be feeling judged or um, it's a bit exhausting to have to cook multiple things or how, how do you do it? Uh, I, well, it's kind of easy in my house because I do all the cooking. Uh, I'm the plant-based <laughs> one. 
people have to eat what I cook. My kids are too young to cook for themselves, so they don't have a choice. However, I still have, you know, I have a two and a three, a two and a four year old. So they still go through that fussy kid, you know, I love this yesterday, but I'm not touching it today kind of thing. Um, so I still, I still struggle with that, but um, it's, it's about, especially with kids, it's about repeat exposure to, um, you know, to new things and they might not like one way that it's prepared, but they might like it, a, you know, differently. Um, I know with say cauliflower, my kids aren't a big fan of steamed cauliflower, but neither am I, but they will happily eat like a whole cauliflower roasted straight off the pan because it's a taste sensation. Um, you know, sometimes they love when I prepare um, like a crispy tofu and sometimes they're just like, nah, you know, like the way you've prepared this tonight is not that great, mum, even though they're not that articulate. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like I'm not eating this. <laughs> Um, an eight out of ten, not a ten. Yeah, <laughs> needs a little more seasoning, Mum. Yeah, <laughs> um, they'll they'll get there. <laughs> but it's just about you know you keep on trying, and then you know sometimes my husband will come home and just be like you know I've been training really hard. I really feel like a piece of steak, so you know he can go and get that. Or we go over to someone's for a barbecue, and they prefer to have um, real sausages over. Um, you know, the plant-based ones. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy if they're eating meat on a less regular basis. Mm -hmm. So those, you know, once a month or once a fortnight, if it comes in the house, it's fine. Um, but it's, you know, given all the research around, um, around animal product consumption, I think less is, less is definitely more in terms of that and, you know, if we're heroing plants every night and and trying to get in a diversity of uh, you know different legumes and veggies and fruits and whole grains and stuff like that, then I think we're on the right track. Yeah, I know everyone different because I mean we touched on it, but that sort of judgment that a vegetarian diet is. Um, you know, it's for weaklings, not weaklings, but it doesn't necessarily give you the energy you need. You need a steak to, or you need to eat meat, you need protein and this sort of idea that I think has been perpetuated probably in um, movies and, I don't know, advertising and stuff, you know, put a, some diet pork on your fork and all this kind yeah. of stuff. I mean, the diet culture is everywhere. But continue. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was just going to say, so it's sort of this idea that, you know, for men maybe that it's not as... Um, manly. Manly, yes. And to, and then I guess the, the cooking factor, it is a lot easier to chuck a steak on a barbecue, chat to your friends, have a beer, and then at the end of it, you know, slap something else next to it. Whereas, you know, when you're plant-based, you've got to think about what it is you need in your diet to have a whole... Um, you know the whole range of nutrients in it and everything but it takes a little bit long doesn't it just to think about where they came from and having them fresh like we said it's really hard in some parts of Australia I know when we traveled and we were camping you can't have fresh vegetables they don't last very long um, in a camping fridge and stuff yeah. like that or hot food, hot weather and so you, you have to be a little bit creative around tin foods and maybe um 
yeah, longer life foods and stuff. Where am I going with this? Not quite sure, but I guess I'm just highlighting that. Yeah. yeah, it's to to be it's aware. Different. Yeah, it's a different choice, but not to be put off if there's someone member in your family that you can also layer it. I guess perhaps that's what I'm hearing too. You know, you can still offer the plant based, and then they can have their extra sausage or steak with that same. Yeah. I think looking at it like that as, as more of a plant predominant diet and then having your meat or animal products as a condiment to that is a great way to think about the ratio of animal product to plant-based stuff that, you know, that it should be like that is most supportive for um, health and longevity. So eating, you know, a lot of research has shown that eating small amounts of meat is not harmful, but eating large amounts of meat is. So um, I posted recently that there is, you know, very, um, very few studies that have ever said that eating vegetables is not a good idea. <laughs> so that is like, you know, one thing that everyone can agree on is um, eating veg is one of the healthiest things you can do for your diet. Um, and I know that there's a lot of, there's a lot of controversy in, in nutritional research because everything is, uh, you know, there's one day something will come out and say kale's a superfood and then another day it'll come out and say, you know, don't eat too much kale, it's bad for you or, you know, soy's, soy will give you cancer and then soy is actually protective against cancer. And there's so much um, confusion in nutrition, but how there are sound, some- Yeah, how do you kind of suggest people work with that? Cause it is a bit overwhelming when you think you're making a choice and then someone might point out or you read or discover that maybe that's not the case or, you know, there's a lot of vested interest, I guess, in each. Totally. Um, and it, it's easier for me because I came from a science background as a nurse. So I am used to reading research, but for a lot of people, that's not the case. And I think in that, in that case, you've got to look at where the information's coming from. If it's coming from your, you know, social media feed, then have a look at who owns the account that's, you know, purporting, you know, purporting all this um, information and, and do they have a vested interest in it? Or if you're reading it in the newspaper or listening to it as a little soundbite on the news, like I'm assuming that whatever it says, sorry, that's the alarm for my sourdough. (laughs) Um, Whatever it says, there's got to be some controversial aspect of it. Otherwise they wouldn't be talking about it in the media. So you've kind of got to ask the question. Yeah. Like, is this controversy, is, is this controversial and why are they actually talking about it on, um, on the TV? Because it's not interesting to talk about eating more vegetables. Everybody knows that. Mm. Um, but it's more interesting to talk about um, whether meat's going to kill you or, you know, butter's good for you or because it's controversial mm. um, and it's not something that everyone agrees on. So I think to take it back to really simple um, principles to base your diet around and you know this this is this is for everyone not just the people that donate meat but people that do eat meat as well is to um, look at what those health pillars 
really are. And that's, um, everyone agrees that eating more vegetables is really important. Um, everyone agrees that drinking lots of water is really important. Uh, eating unprocessed um, and as close to the whole food as possible is really important. And if you look at all of the nutritional ideologies out at the moment, you know, and we've got anything from veganism to paleo to keto um, and everything in between, you know, flexitarian and um, pescatarian, Mediterranean diet, they all have the same principles at heart, which is eating unprocessed foods, eating lots of vegetables um, and eating foods as close to whole as possible. Um, and where they differ in their meat consumption or in the amount of fat they have in their diet or whatever is such a small part of the whole ideology. So I think it's important to just take it back to that. And then you look at the blue zones in the world, which are those places that have, um, you know, the longest living uh, people in it. So places like, um, I'm going to forget all of the different islands, but there's a place in Greece, um, a little island in Greece. There's a place in Japan. Um, there's even a place in, this, in the middle of America called Loma Linda. Um, they all adopt a predominantly plant-based diet with or without a little bit of animal product. Um, and they have the most amount of centenarians, so the people that live to 100 and over um, in their culture. And I think that's like, you know, the proof is in the pudding there, um, that that is probably the most supportive, um, health supportive diet is just eat more plants. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? So what, so someone who's listening who would like to try this, maybe they have, or want to increase plants in their diet, what are some suggestions you have or ways that they can go about that or? yes, strategies to shine more love and light on this whole kind of area of their life? I think for someone who's really just getting into this way of kind of thinking about food and um, there's, uh, there's a, a little movement that was created by James Cameron, the movie maker, and his wife, um, and it's called OMD, One Meal a Day. And it's literally that you start out by introducing one meal a day without animal products. And you think, you know, what's, what's the easiest thing you could start with? Probably breakfast. Because breakfast, yeah. um, breakfast has the most amount of meals, um, common meals that are accidentally plant-based or incidentally plant-based so you know you could start your day with a smoothie or you could start your day with granola or you could start your day with porridge or you know whatever breakfast is probably the easiest one and once you kind of have that in your in your day and you realize well that wasn't so bad why don't I try doing a lunch or a dinner this week that is plant-based so whether that's like a quinoa and chickpea salad with heaps of veggies or if it's um, replacing my spag bowl with uh, lentils instead of um, instead of mince you know just little 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 um, tips and tricks like that can really be um, a great way to start or having a curry and putting chickpeas in it instead of chicken or having a uh, what else 
doing a, you know, doing tacos and doing beans instead of having your mints. You know, there's lots of different ways and um, different ingredients you can use in your kind of standard fare. So I was going to say, because you... you're not actually saying no more bolognese, no more pasta. You're actually saying what could we just substitute out and put in that has maybe the same sort of texture or similar flavour profile? Because I've definitely tried with my kids and my daughter, <laughs> and I've shared with Steph because it was a massive miracle, um, who doesn't eat many vegetables, ate um, a lasagna which had mushrooms in it, which she won't eat. You know, so there were all these sort of, ways of and she cooked it with us so she, she knew exactly what was going in it but because the mushroom has that flavor of meat or a little bit more closely flavored to meat it kind of got through her her pretty stringent um yeah. <laughs> pace for, you know checking and all this sort of stuff so i think yeah they, i love what you're suggesting they're not like you have to go and do tofu and and go straight there and try something that's a new flavour to you. You're actually sort of suggesting start with the things that you've already got that you know you like, and the, yeah. the tacos is a great one. Or, or even you've um, I've done recently rice paper rolls. You know, you just take out the meat that you would normally put in. Yeah, um, so take out the chicken prawns and um, add in some yeah marinated tofu. Yeah. And there, you know, tofu is not so um, you know alternative that it's hard to access and now you know whatever supermarket you go into there's um pre-prepared like pre-marinated tofu that literally all you have to do is cook and it's really delicious mm -hmm. i use them occasionally as well when i you know i'm going to a barbecue and i haven't had time to do my own like they're great alternatives and they're convenient and they're really healthy and faster um, than a meat too like <laughs> you know a meat you exactly. have to cook will take maybe five ten minutes to put on a, a um, fry pan or whatever whereas the tofu it's like basically warm it up it's super quick yeah and then you know now that it is more mainstream there are so many more companies coming up um doing plant-based meat alternatives so even those ones that you can get at the supermarket that are um you know like meat and they're made out of pea protein or um you know you've got kind of chicken nuggets that are you know soy protein or something even though they're processed and you would be better off going whole foods just taking that step away from meat or you know instead of doing the like processed chicken nuggets you do the soy protein chicken nuggets um you're actually still getting so much more fiber than you would with meat like there's still even though it's still processed going to the plant-based meat alternatives you can still get more nutrition from it than you would out of the processed meat oh, one so there is something to say for those um for those pre-packaged options because they're still a great stepping stone to um embracing more plants in your diet and it's just replacing um you know pre replacing things that you are already in your diet and going like well there is another way um and you know once i try this maybe i'll try uh you know a burger that's already been um processed you, you know a processed plant-based meat alternative um and realize well that actually tastes pretty good maybe i'll try a veggie burger or maybe i'll try um 
some tofu tonight in my burger or on the barbecue or something. And it's just that awesome stepping stone. And then you can figure out, well, if I can buy the tofu and then come up with a marinade from, um, you know, an internet recipe, then maybe I'll try that. And it's just, it's just those small little changes too, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And once you get more confident with cooking with more spices and herbs and, and, you know, different condiments and flavors at home, you realize, well, what I do to a chicken, I can do to tofu or I can do to beans or, um, you know, instead of whipping up a minced um, risol, <laughs> I can do, uh, you know, a bean, Beetroot black bean yeah. sweet potato burger or something. So Actually, that's all of the things I used to do when people would say, you know, how can you be vegetarian or one of those questions. It was like I realised that what I liked about the meat was often the marinades or the sauces that I was putting with the meat. Like it wasn't really the meat itself that I was enjoying. I'd enjoy like a Thai green curry or something. And it was the curry I liked, not the chicken in it necessarily. So I was like, and if I still do that with vegetables I'm going to like it just as much it's fine exactly yeah and I think that goes for most meats in in you know those kind of broader dishes that the meat is the textural component so if you replace that textural component with um something else that's textured that's plant-based but you you you're still having all those beautiful flavors coming from plants um which is where we get all our herbs and spices and flavorings then it's kind of easy to think about, well, if I'm having a chicken curry, yeah, I can replace that with some tofu. Or if I'm having a stir fry, I can put, um, yeah, I don't want to go always go to tofu, but, you know, things like tempeh or I can put beans in it instead of like going for a beef, beef stir fry. Um, or, you know, do cashew and veggies instead of, um, mm. you know, instead of putting meat in my stir fry. So there's so many different things that you can do, but it can be really overwhelming when you're just starting out. So stick to what you know, make those little swaps and then you can gradually kind of build that confidence. I found one tip too that you shared with me and I remember like sometimes you feel like a salad and people might have this experience where plants don't necessarily fill them up. They feel like they have to eat lots and you made the observation. It's like, well, you need to make sure you've got something in it like a protein or something to balance it out and I think when um, you introduce things into the dressing so like hemp seeds or something like that you realize that you've actually got these ways of bulking out I guess well I think we got an unstable internet going on are you hearing me Steph is that all okay yeah yeah yeah. So basically I was saying when you introduce um, some more nutrients to your dish and you might never realize they don't have to be bulky bits of meat. They can be things like hemp seeds or um, yeah, different kinds of seeds and nuts and things like that. You feel full after you've eaten. Cause I know a lot of the times where you think vegetarian might be just a few lettuce leaves and that's not going to fill me up, but it's because we haven't, learned we don't have all these different things at our fingertips which you have access to and make us aware of um so as a listener if you want if you want to i think it'd be really it's a good time for us to share what you do steph like how 
um, yeah, what you're offering that people might be interested in hearing more about and getting involved in. I definitely know I was always interested in cooking, but Steph's opened up um, heaps of different tips and different insights, I guess, little things you've learned along the way about how to cook things that make it taste better, um, make your kids like it, which is a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And interesting, like really exciting ways to um, cook things that you yeah, have never tried before. So there's this, it's almost a, a real range. You can go for your stock standard food, but you can also go kind of, I don't know, fine dining almost. Yeah. Well, thanks um, for saying all that because it's nice to know that, um, you know, my passion is inciting other people's passions. Um, I think that um, that just I've lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, with with the cooking club and how we kind of connected, um, it's so nice to know that even though you know you've lived that kind of plant based lifestyle for a lot of your life, um, it's nice to know there's still more that you can learn. And I know that being you know vegetarian and um and vegan there there is a bit more of a, a stepping stone to take out that the dairy and the eggs that um vegetarians rely on a lot so it is it is really fun to kind of delve into those types of things with you and also for people that are beginning this kind of thing is um you know there's so much so much for for them to take on as well but also you kind of take what you like and take you know and leave what you don't so um it you know and once again everyone's really different in what they like and the taste preferences and even what they can um digest uh so you know kind of that teaching that ability to adapt recipes and adapt to your taste preferences and what your family likes and stuff is really important. So I'm really glad that you've gotten so much out of it so far. Um, so, and I was going to say, I love that you do that. You always share um, a recipe and go, if you don't have this, you can use this. There's all, it, because as a, person who can be overwhelmed sometimes when you don't have things and you think oh I've got to go to the supermarket Steph's always off you know giving you options like if you don't have this nut try this one or if you can't if someone in the, the family can't have garlic here's three or four different options or leave it out altogether and you it, it builds your confidence oh good that's not going to ruin the whole thing whereas often when you yeah faced with a recipe and you're like I don't even know what it is if I go to the supermarket I don't know how to handle it and then when I do I don't even know if I'm gonna like it whereas yeah you've got real flexibility in your recipes so I'll yeah. let you know. I think that's <laughs> um so yeah what Penny's talking about is an online cooking club I started uh, at the yeah the start of COVID, so this was a few months after we met, I think, um, and I couldn't do my face to face cooking classes that I usually run in Melbourne uh, because of uh, you know government restrictions about um, people coming over to your house and stuff. So I started up an online cooking club, which has been a real uh, learning curve for me, <laughs> doing things online 
and uh, learning how to video and edit and all that kind of thing. Uh, but it's been really fun and there's been a really good response to it. And I, I just, you know, I'm so glad I still had the opportunity over this last year to sh still share what I, you know, I know and love. So um, if you want to join the cooking club, uh, it's all run through a Facebook group and I, um, I share pre-recorded and live cooking classes. And it's kind of just centered around, um, you know, easy meals that you can cook for your family or cook for a crowd or just cook for, you know, um, one or two people that incorporate all of the, uh, all of the amazing ingredients that a plant-based diet has to offer, but in little kind of um, easy to manage bits. So there is a lot of information to know, but you can kind of go through a class and I'll talk about the ingredient and I'll talk about um, different ways you can use it or alternatives to that so that it builds your confidence in the kitchen um, and your intuition as well with cooking, which is a hard thing to um, grasp if you're not used to it. So if you do want to join the cooking club, I'm opening it up for intakes which I only do a couple of times a year. Um, and I'll give Penny a little a special code so you can get 10% discount um, if you book through that code. Uh, but also if you're not interested in that, if you just wanna check out a couple of you know, free recipes and stuff, you can uh, follow me on at Steph Shell Hub um, on Instagram, where I um, often share um, new recipes and, and little videos and tutorials and stuff like that. Or there's my free Facebook page, The Veg Sip, and that is uh, me sharing a lot of nutritional information about plant-based eating, um, you know, easy, short recipes. And uh, there's a lovely little community in there as well. So I'll share some, um, some shorter cooking classes and stuff. Sorry, I think that might have cut out. Um, so it's a veg-centric plate. Is that right? I'll put them in yeah, the links, but if someone's yeah. listening and busting the, the veg-centric plate. The veg-centric yeah. plate um, on Facebook. The Facebook group. And then I've got my Instagram uh, profile, which is at Steph Shell Hub. And Shell, S-C-H-A-L-L. A-L-L-H-U-B for hub. Yeah. And I'm also working on a, um, an online course for uh, plant-based kind of beginners. So teaching busy mums how to cook plant-based uh, plant meals without a recipe, basically, which is, you know, about, um, which is about uh, kind of teaching you templates for meals and then um, teaching you how to, uh, increase flavor and um, flavor pairing and um, and doing that with a more intuitive cooking style so um, you know you have the option of using a recipe or if, of you know using what you've got on hand so working on that and that should be out hopefully mid-year but otherwise yeah those other avenues um, to check out what I'm doing and I'm opening up for group cooking classes again in Melbourne soon so I'll be really excited to start doing that face-to-face. -face. Awesome. So yeah. there's heaps of options. If people wanted to connect with you, they can through any of those sort of social 
um, Steph's online so she can respond and got questions. I'm always asking questions. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think, yeah, and I think what's brilliant is when you do in a cooking class, walk someone through, there's always substitutes or, you know, tips on where you can buy things and the most economical way to do it. Cause like we said before, making some of these choices, they aren't necessarily the cheapest option on the shelf. You know, if you're choosing organic or you're choosing to substitute something that's mainstream with something less mainstream, it often will cost a little bit more. So where you've got tips and how to do that, it's always really helpful. Um, yeah, I'm thrilled that you were able to kind of help us shine love and light on the choices we're making. Um, hopefully, I think it's like everything that I've been doing, you know, there's layers that you peel back and it's wherever you're at, absolutely fine and perfect. But is there another layer you can peel back? Like be curious. Um, and maybe what we've talked about today might kind of open up a different avenue or peel back a different layer for you. And that would be awesome. And yeah, we look forward to connecting with you. If you've loved what you've listened to or um, know someone who might be interested, if you can share it and um, rate it and all those things that you can do on podcasts these days, that would be most appreciated. And otherwise, have a beautiful day. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Steph? Uh, thank you so much for having this conversation with me and I hope that whoever's listening um, gets something out of it. Just, you know, one little gold nugget to take away and start thinking about things a little bit further and maybe making some changes if that's where they're at. But I think meeting yourself where you're at is a really important step in making any change. It's being realistic about what you can do. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Shine your light, do shine your light, shine your light, shine your light.